Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. Welcome to the Broad Street Hockey Podcast here on Monday, February 26th. I am your host, Gilbert, joined by my co-host, Joe DeMarini, and another special guest here from Broad Street Hockey, one of the uh, longest tenures uh, of Broad Street Hockey. Maybe we're going to give him the C soon. It's uh, it's Kurt R. Uh, <laughs> Kurt? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm close to, to Couturier's tenure here. I think he got to the Flyers a like a, it was, I, I started on the side in his second year, so yeah, we're, it'll be next year, I guess, is when I get to see. Um, and then I'll get run out of town a couple years later. Everything's fine. How you guys doing? Doing good. Yeah, you're you're, you're kind of like the Scott Lawton. You're like the de facto captain. You're you're next in line, but you know we'll, we'll see if someone ends up jumping you with uh with, with Coots like Coots did there. Uh, no, but do, doing good. Uh, wanted to bring you on, bring you on. You know, talk talk some big picture stuff out of the trade deadline after that that weekend set, and unfortunately did not go. Too well, so yeah, glad to have you on now. And uh, Joe, how you doing, Joe? Uh, after saying that we lost the back-to-backs, you should have played the uh, trombone sounds that we now have <laughs> access to off the soundboard. Um, no, nah, I'm doing all right. It's uh, you know, it was just a weekend of fun Flyers hockey. Yeah, I, I guess we'll just dig right into it. Start right there with the weekend set. Like mm-hmm. on one hand. You can't feel much better about losing two games on a weekend to two of your biggest rivals, but like the Flyers got goalied by the Rangers, yep. and then got anti-goalied and, and anti-special teams <laughs> by the Penguins with with Cal Peterson and that. Like they deserve better in both games. They were right down there to the final seconds. They they pulled the goalie somehow, got got back in it twice against the Penguins. But like, yeah, I mean, and I, I tweeted this out. It was like how you view this weekend, kind of it shows uh, kind of into your mind of how you view the Flyers right now. Like it could be like, Oh, same old Flyers. They're losing it to their, to their rivals. They can't beat the big opponents or it's okay. They were without Konechny. They were without Drysdale for half of the third period or half of the game. They, they had Peterson. So like they, they played pretty well, but I feel like this is a, a, a good litmus test for, for Flyers fans here. Yeah. The, the Rangers game that, that was a tough loss. Like they were in it. they, they looked like the better team for stretches, um, but you know Igor Shosturkin is, you know, he's one of the best, and we got to see why. Uh, and he has been not great for most of the season, but has been turning it on the past week or two. And everybody's been like, "Wow, the Rangers are really good, even with Igor Shosturkin not playing that well, and now he's playing well." So, uh, you, the Rangers are going to be a tough, tough out in the playoffs if. Uh, keeps that consistency the penguins i was so close to just throwing my phone through the tv because flyers go down four two i'm like yeah that's the game and then they get back in it and i'm like oh i'm so in and then they're down six four and i'm like god damn it (laughs) like this is cal peterson is going to be the death of me but uh uh, c and drysdale go down that's worse than either of the losses the drysdale injury is the worst thing to come out of this weekend um, but the rest of it, you know, good losses if we're still at that point. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough weekend to come out of with zero points. Like uh, they mm-hmm. were just back and forth. Um, you know, one, a pair of one goal losses back to back a game yesterday. You really had not much business being in given the travel disadvantage, given the Pittsburgh, frankly, needed it more than you did. Um, and still nearly coming back from a deficit, however many times they did, um, it's a tough weekend to come away with no points, especially because again, I think on, like you said, Saturday, they probably deserved better yesterday. I, I don't know if I'd go as far as to say that, but they, you know, given the situation they were in, you had to like how they competed, but yeah, it's a tough time to 
lose a game because of the other team's goalie and then the next day lose a game because of your own goalie. Just not like a feeling we're all too familiar with, but just one we haven't felt much this year and it yeah. all sort of came around at a bad time. Yeah. Do we uh do we think Cal Peterson gets another start this season? <laughs> I mean, they have a back-to-back again this weekend in Washington and then at home against the Sens. So like I mean, at least those are two easier teams, but yeah, who else oh. you got to call up? Yeah, Sandstrom? you have to play him some games. Like, not every, and I know it's it's going to be tough to say this right now. He's not going to look that bad every game, but boy, he looked really bad on Sunday. He oh my God. So... Oh my God. But here's the thing you brought up Sandstrom. Do you think Sandstrom might be able to do better than Cal Peterson? I don't think so. I have to trust the Flyers at the fact that they haven't given him a chance. Is, oh, AHL numbers. 3.23 goals against 882 save percentage. So I know they don't have like the best team there in front of them, but no, I, I, you got to play Peterson. Maybe he, you have him for the next few years, unless you, uh, unless you buy him out. Like, like one Steve more, one more. I think it's this oh, and next more. year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if he, yeah, you have to see what he, what he has to see if he can be the backup next year or to see if, you know, you got to go out and get somebody. Hey, if he rebounds, Come next deadline, if you retain 50% on that, he might be a perfectly cromulent third or fourth goalie for a playoff team that wants <laughs> some depth. Then, hey, more found money from the Provorov deal. Um, but yeesh, that was that was tough. Who, who did you say we have this week? The Senators and... At, at uh, Washington and then at home against the Sens. Okay, the Sens have had the Flyers number for like every game this season. So I, ugh, uh, I don't know, man. That's that's gonna be a tough one. Yeah, Claude Giroux is gonna score a back-breaking goal. I'm sure. I'm sure, like, like he did, like he did in the, oh, in the last. Oh, and Zach game. McEwen. Zach McEwen and, too. Oh no, they, they, they released him, didn't they? Oh no, they they waived him. That's right. I don't yeah. think he's. I don't think he's with them anymore. Oh, Big Zach bad. Mac. Zach. Attack. Yeah, in the Rangers game, I was just happy they didn't give up a goal to Mika Zibanejad at all, let alone in the in the None. first like two minutes of the game. But in in the first few minutes of that game, we saw the fight of the year, the fight in. I don't. I don't know the last time I, I saw a fight that was that was this good between Matt Rempe and Nicholas Delaria. Of course, both people, both of them coming away with with bruised faces. You know, they they it was they went at it for close to a minute. They I, I thought they were going to stop it at some point, but you know, good good on Nick D for eventually taking the, uh, the youngster down. But what did you guys think of that pal? Ooh, you don't see fights like that much nowadays, man. Like I I, I generally am not a you know a huge fighting guy especially like you know obviously premeditated stuff that happens without a real purpose but man if they're gonna happen make them look like that oh gosh yeah that's a if you're gonna if you're gonna just fight for fighting sake make it worth our while and those guys did Whew. yeah that that might be the hockeyest hockey fight that i've seen since uh starting to watch hockey um yeah like the closest i think of, of was like nick sealer and Nick Delorier, uh, before they brought in Delorier, I think that that was mm-hmm. pretty good. But since then, sheesh. That 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 was a good going ahead, and and yeah, I mean, uh, I I kind of just you know, I I wonder what's going to happen with with Matt Rempe now. He, he's fought in four of his five NHL games, including <laughs> including both back to backs. Like yeah, like yeah. I know he got a goal and he got an assist yesterday somehow, but like. That's not sustainable for for anybody, let alone a, a rookie. No, and I just want to make a comment on the Rangers back to back. So I watched some of that game where they were they lost to Columbus. They looked ragged. They looked haggard, man. They the Flyers must have beat the hell out of them because they did not look good against Columbus. Um, so I guess if there's any consolation, it's that they had to work their ass off to beat the Flyers and had nothing left in the tank. So they lost to Columbus. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. You, you look at the Flyers losing to the Penguins. At least it wasn't the Rangers losing to a much worse team in Columbus. And I tweeted this out during the game. How have the Rangers, in all of their history, not had a winning streak of longer than ten games? Like they, like they've been around for so long. They had had like dynastic teams, and they just ten wins. I mean, the Flyers did that like every year. It seems like. Yeah, I was surprised by that, given that they've been around since the beginning of time. Yeah, ten. It's it's a lot, but over the span of a hundred years, that's not that many right no you're right it, it's very very strange um and it feels like you know with with the way they've been the last 15 years by just having an elite goaltender that they find at the end of the draft and then just 
hanging on to games like that. You'd think one of them would have reeled off like a 12 gamer or something like that at some point. But no, that that was surprising. Yeah. Um yeah, and it's it's also very funny that they had a chance to set a franchise record and couldn't beat the Columbus Blue Jackets. But <laughs> conversation for another time. I think I saw Provorov had a goal in that game. I'm not sure if he if did. He, he did, right? I, I saw it. I was like, damn. All right. Good, good old Ivan there. I love this Good man. old Provy. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, speaking of the the current number nine, though, Joe, you brought it up. Probably the biggest loss of the weekend was Jimmy Drysdale leaving the game oh. with a shoulder injury. Same shoulder he had the torn labrum on that, that he had surgery on. It caused him to miss four to six months, was it, back in... 2022-23 season he's kind of had bad luck with injuries like he's not injury prone necessarily but it's it, it looks bad that it's a, it's the same shoulder here yeah i oh, man that that's a tough one to see um like if he maybe it's not as bad as it looked maybe they just pop it back in uh, before we started recording i said they're probably just spending all of today doing exams and x-rays and trying to see how bad the damage is um but it looked like a season ender when he was skating off the ice. Yeah, because so, you know, the hit happened quickly and he went down and you couldn't really tell at first. Like there's, you know, a, a you know, a little thing of a word for fight that's less than a fight. And, you know, guys shoving each other around him and then he just gets up. And at first, like, is that a, that a head injury? And then like you see him like favoring his arms like, oh, oh, no, that's bad. And then you remember the shoulder history. It's like. Oh, so he just might not play this season. Um, yeah. Obviously, you can't assume. Like, Tortorella didn't have anything to disclose after the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's tough because we all like what we've seen while also understanding that he just needs reps. He needs to he needs work. He needs time at the NHL level. Um, and getting him out of Anaheim, a team that, you know, was not, a, you know, not a great NHL team for most of his tenure – and getting him to work in a system here that, you know, hopefully with better support, better players around and they can help get and a coach that has shown he can get guys into good habits. Just every rep matters for a guy like that who's clearly shown talent but also has a lot of work to do. And if it is, a, you know, a season ender or even one to just, just force him to miss like a month, which at this point is close to a season ender, um yeah. just make the playoffs. Um hopeful like that's that's tough. That's really tough. And hopefully it's not that. But yeah, you know, when he's walking off like that, yeah, again, the best case scenario, like Joe said, it's just you just got to pop it back in. But it shoulders in the NHL, it, it just feels like it's never that simple. No. And part of me wonders, like, it sucks that he got hurt and he needs the reps, but he clearly has looked way above his head all season. And I think Jonesy has Keith Jones has said before, like he got called into the NHL way too soon. He wasn't ready for it. Uh, but now that he's here, we just have to we just have to roll with it. I wonder if, like you said, Anaheim was trash. They are still trash. They have no defensive system, and I wonder if he hasn't had like the proper off seasons to like understand what it's going to take to stick at the NHL level, right? Like a torts coach team, at the very least, they are one of the most like athletic, in shape, fit teams that can just work like skates maybe not skate circles around you for speed but they can outwork you and we see that a lot i have to wonder if maybe getting like some time to rest and a full off season the same way we saw joel farabee the way he's rebounded after getting a proper off season of workouts um maybe he comes back strong next year and we have plenty of time to wait patience is the key with drysdale yeah, absolutely. Patience is the main thing here. Like, yeah, he he's not playing great defensively. Torch has said that. Like, analysts of that. We've all said that. And like, looking at just the two games this weekend, like on Saturday, he was paired primarily with Cam York. He played well, even with Mark Stahl. They played well against the Rangers. But then against Pittsburgh, in uh, in nine minutes, he was on the ice for two shot attempts for and seventeen against. So like, Oof. they were just getting caved in defensively, playing with Mark Stahl. For all of that definitely is going to hurt. So yeah, maybe, I mean, I th- think best case scenario obviously is he's able to play Tuesday, but possibly even better case would be, okay, he's out a week or two. He gets a chance to reset kind of like Tyson Forster did. And like he comes back in with the flyers 
hopefully giving him a better partner, hopefully after trading stall, maybe have him play with York full time or have him play with someone else just to give him just to give him a better environment to play in. Yeah. I mean, we, we do we want to talk about Mark Stahl? <laughs> Are we ready for that one? Cuz uh he did not look good yesterday, man. That was that was tough. Yeah, I think Kurt, you and I both tweeted it or slacked at the same time. Like seeing Mark Stahl out there on a, on a six on five was just laughably bad. Yeah, I know Drysdale being out probably you know contributes to that. But of the how many healthy defensemen do the Flyers have Six on their now. roster? It might Six. be he's he's the last. He's probably the last one you'd want to see there. Mm-hmm. Like York, Sanheim, Walker, Drysdale, Zamula. Um, Ristolainen even, like, I'd rather any of those guys be getting that minute than Mark Stahl. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, I know your, 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 your hands are kind of tied there. If you're John Tortorella, again, you're, you're without one of your best offensive defensemen in that moment. And it's not like anyone is really, you know, was really showering themselves in glory yesterday in terms of the defense, but yeah, it's, it's probably not who I would have put on. And then at one point, um, on a not to not to stray too far from Mark Stahl, we're not done with you yet. But um, I think during that same six on five, there was a moment where like Noah Cates was out, Ryan Paling was out, um, another forward who has no business being out on the ice for a six on five was out. Um, it's so funny that this team has a legit shot to make the playoffs with this lineup. Um, it's just not; they just don't look like what you would think a team a good team should look like, and yet here they are very much in it, you know, and playing pretty well. It's, it's really something, but yeah, sorry. It's a, a sidebar here while we were talking about players who should not have, um, who should not be on the ice for six on fives, but Mark Stahl, Mark Stahl shouldn't be on the ice at all. Um, Ole Luxell <laughs> was the other one who, who I, met, I tweeted about at the time. Mm-hmm. Ole Luxell at least has some talent. He's just not, you know, a guy you just called up because the coach didn't want to play him for a while. I, I at least, I guess at least that one's more justifiable, but no, Mark Stahl shouldn't really be playing. Um, I realize and sometimes you might not have a choice with, with the injuries you've got here. No Risto, no, um, no in that moment, no Drysdale. But mm-hmm. yeah, he. if you can trade Mark Stahl at the deadline, you got to do that. It just, it just made, I know, and that seemed like Get it was a goalie. the plan. It seemed like that was the plan when you signed him, right? Like, yeah, just find a, find a third goalie that you can maybe play instead of uh, California Peterson. California um, Peterson. I assume that's his first name. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't really want to see Mark Stahl. No, I, you bring up Ole Luxell, and I honestly was actually quite pleased to see him in the six on five. I'm like, hey, this is his shot. Let's see what the fuck he can do in that kind of a, you know, in that situation. And he played pretty well. He had, he had two assists. He got over 12 minutes of ice time. You know, he had a he had a solid day. Um, he was red hot from the previous day. He played with the phantoms. And I think he had like a four point game or something crazy or two goals or something. He, so he came in, it was two like, goals, two assists. Yeah. Yeah. Four points. Yeah. So he came into the penguins game ready to go. And it looked like it, he had jumped from the get go. Uh, Torts clearly trusted him that game and putting him out there with the, um, you know, late for the six on five. Fine. Um, also they put him on the power play briefly, I believe. Um, and considering how bad the Flyers' power play has been, why not? You know, no reason not to. Yeah, I mean, I think Hathaway was out there either on the second power play unit or on the six on five. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, I'm going to put a pin in this because I do have a Bobby Brink point to make. But let's go back to Mark Stahl. He was mm. awful on, like, he does not marking anyone up in front of the net. On the first or second goal where, like, Farabee had the blind pass to the center, Yes, Farabee's at fault a little bit, but like Mark Stahl, man, someone up in front of the net, do something. Like I don't, I don't. Yeah. There, he was on the ice for three goals against a five-on-five. I don't know exactly which ones they were. I'm sure at least two of them, Peterson should have stopped. But like, do something <laughs> in front of the net. If you're going to be a defensive defenseman, play some defense, generate yeah. some defense. Yeah, <laughs> defend. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Love generating yeah. defense. Um, yeah. But the uh, okay, but the Bobby Brink point I want to make, and I understand you sent him to the AHL for his development and whatnot. But like, once Konechny left practice Friday, and you knew he was possibly out for the, the whole weekend, which uh, I think Anthony DeMarco reported either early Saturday or late Friday, 
bring up Bobby Brink. Put Bobby Brink in Konechny's spot at five on five on the power play. I know that's like not what they're do want to do a big picture development wise, but I have to imagine playing in two NHL games with good line mates in two intense games too. It would be decent for his development. Can't be much worse than playing in two AHL games. Like I know they don't want to yo-yo him back up and down, but I just want my, my man Bobby Brink to, to get a chance here. Free Bobby Brink. You you made a point there about like, you know, development getting in NHL games that we may get to if we talk about the trade deadline a little bit. But mm-hmm. one of the big conversation around the Flyers right now is what they do in the trade deadline as a rebuilding team that is surprisingly in a playoff race and like how they can handle, you know, selling like selling guys and then selling that to their team, saying like, no, you know, we we're still in it. We believe in you guys. We just also have to make this trade. And one thing that you one invaluable thing that the Flyers can do here is get these young guys experience in the playoff chase. Like I don't always buy that. Like, you know, you got to have like experience is King, like people overrate it, but it's worth more than nothing. Like it's worth something and getting guys in crucial games like this, like that would have been, I mean, I guess Bobby Brink was like playing for the frozen four, but like that would have been the biggest, like, NHL level stage of Bobby Briggs career like though like these were two of the biggest games of the Flyers season yeah getting him in games like that is big like it you give you get it you give a guy like that a chance to see what the big stage is like and it makes him hungry to like keep getting back and like trying to play in so he can play in more big games like down the stretch and in the future and hopefully in the playoffs when the team's good and that's something that the Flyers need to be thinking about as a way to you know justify selling guys because you can get like Bring up a meal Andre or Ronnie Adder and say like, "Hey, buddy, you're you're here for a playoff chase. Get, we believe in you. Get ready for this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be hard. You, but and you're going to learn from it. It's going to make you better long term. And that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that they need to be doing with these young guys as they prepare to sell off guys. Whether it's like the low hanging fruit, like your your Sean Walkers or Nick Sealers, or like bigger names like Scott Lawton, someone like that. No matter who, like they have guys." that they may not be 100% sure are part of the solution, what better way to find out than putting them on a big stage and say, hey, it's go time. Let's see what you got. Big game here. Rangers, Penguins this weekend. Let's see it. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. Yeah, and that's like if they, I guess if they trade lot and that's going to be what what they do, probably bring up Brink full-time or maybe put Lixell in there full-time and move Cates back to center. But uh, yeah, I mean, today we had in the 32 Thoughts podcast uh, that the Drysdale injury should not impact what the Flyers do with Walker and or Sealer and or Ristolainen. And I completely agree with that. I was going to write that myself, but I mean, Friedman said it, so that's much more reliable. Like, yeah, the Flyers are focusing on the big picture and and that is what they should do. Um, Do either either of you kind of disagree with that or have a counterpoint? No, that's the thing. Like, this season is gravy already, like. You can't start convincing yourself, oh, but, you know, we've got these injuries. we got to keep these pending on UFAs, and that's important for playoff pushes that we didn't have any intention of making in the first place. No, they, the plan is the plan. You stick to it. Yep. Yeah. I, with, with due respect to L.A. Freeman, I, I've heard enough updates about how, well, the Flyers might trade Sean Walker or Nick Sheeler if they get a good offer. They also might re-sign him if they um, – if, if they reach a price that makes sense for the team and player. I feel like he he or Jeff Merrick has said this on a podcast twice a week for the last month. Yeah. Just give me to the trade deadline, guys. Like, yeah. either yeah. tell me something new. Like, do respect. They're, they're you know, they're the, he's the most reliable NHL reporter in the world, period. Just give, give me something new or just stop telling me the same thing you've been telling me for a month. With, with yeah. due respect, again. He's, yeah. you know, again, best reporter out there. I just need something that isn't just, well, they might trade him or they might keep him. Same with every I mean, other player on the roster. Except Travis be, Kennedy. He, he has said they're going to resign Travis Kennedy. I'll give him that. Every other guy's like, yeah. well, they might trade him or they might resign <laughs> him. To be fair, we've talked about Sean Walker on pretty much every single podcast we've done since relaunching the Broad Street <laughs> Hockey Podcast. So, it's Sean, it's Sean Walker show every week. This yeah. is the, the Scott Walker show, too, Scott if Walker, we're to believe yeah. uh, uh, Steve. Steve. Yeah, and, um, and it, not not to go too like inside hockey here, but like that's one of the downsides of so many outlets and media outlets pushing for clicks in December and January for those early NHL trade rumors, where like you you start hearing these rumors earlier and earlier, and now this month of February just feels like okay, we're waiting for the deadline now. Nothing new. Well, these teams are buying. These teams are selling. Trades might happen. We just gotta wait and see. But well, and like 
that's just what, what the news cycle is at this point. It's it's getting getting frustrating, but also like two for two weeks away now, so it's almost here. You kind of like. Um, I'm going to give the hot take and say I kind of like it because um, we saw it last year with the Islanders trading for Bo Horvat, and then this year we saw it with the Canucks trading for um, Elias Lindholm, and then the Jets trading for Sean Moynihan, like a month and a half out from the deadline. I like that approach because then you're making these trades, you're seeing if it clicks and what you still need by the deadline. It gives you time to think so that you're not like procrastinating to deadline day and then like, oh my God, we need a depth center, a defenseman, and a third goalie. What are we going to do? I like, I like that it's you know, a little bit later because I want to see teams start making earlier moves like the Islanders did last year, like the Canucks and the and the Jets did this year. I think that maybe that might set some precedent. I don't know. GMs are probably a little bit too, uh, you know, hesitant to make those kinds of big moves so far out. But hey. Yeah, it's, it's always just tough to because you need the right price to pry a guy away from a team that early because teams figure usually correctly that. You know, the closer you get to the deadline, the closer that you get to, you know, the pencils down moment, someone's going to break and give you the price you want. So if you force them, to, if you're forcing a team to take a guy off the market in advance, you usually got to pay them more. I agree. It's, you know, it's fun. It's more entertaining, gives us more to talk about sooner. And we're not just you know, sitting here for the 117th time saying, well, you think they should trade Scott Lauder? But, um, but yeah, it's, it is entertaining, but you can understand why it doesn't happen. But it'd be fun yeah. if it did. You're right, absolutely. So I, I'm glad you brought up the price, because I think in a recent interview, Jonesy and Briere have both said, as far as Lawton goes, if someone wants him, they are going to have to pay a lot to get him out of here. Um, and I'm curious what you guys think would be considered a lot. Yeah, I think I think Kaplan cut away to her interview with Briere, where he said, like, you know, we're not shopping them, but if someone comes and and gives us something we can't refuse, you know, we're going to take it. So, well, I, I wanted to ask Kurt that question. Is like, what do you th- like? Joe and I have talked about this over and over, but where do you stand on, on Scott Lawton right now? Do you want to see the Flyers trade him? Is there only if it reaches a certain price? Would you do it for a first round pick, or how, how are you feeling right now about uh, Scooty Lutz? See, Lawton's so interesting because. I, you know, we, it's been, you know, the thing I've been most interested in with this trade deadline season is how you handle the locker room and the impacts that come of selling, of making obvious sell moves and trading Scott Lawton would maybe be the one that sends a message from the team saying like, Hey, you know, we think you could, we know how important he is. Like we know that John Tortorello would like jump in front of a bus for Scott Lawton and he means so much to that team, to that locker room, to the franchise. And I think trading him would honestly, it would hurt. It hurt a lot, but it may also send a message that like, we know you guys can handle this. Like we aren't dealing Scott Lawton unless we're very sure that the locker room structure in place led by the captain we just named, the the alternate captain we just named is ready to handle a move like that. So I don't want to say that I'd be encouraged by it but it would send a very clear message saying like hey we're happy with what we've got here like we we think we've got something cooking here we don't think we need scott lawton in here to like really set the tone anymore because again you remember last year lawton was the not just last year up until you know two weeks ago scott lawton was the only guy with a letter on his chest for the entire tortorella era he's Mm -hmm. the one guy that tortorella came in right away and said okay i trust you do i trust anyone else in this locker room i'm not sure and it became clear over time who he grew to trust, grew not to trust, who he hated so much he had to get rid of, and everyone in between. And dealing Lawton would really suggest that he thinks, he being Tortorella, and I guess the powers that be, it's still weird and difficult to disentangle how much power each of the three guys in the leadership triangle would have, but it would be a very clear sign that like they trust the guys in the locker room to hold whatever culture they have in place. And... I'd be really interested to see if they do. Now, as for the actual cost, I said this earlier in the year when Lawton was slumping that I'm not too worried about like his numbers being down because teams that are trading for Scott Lawton are like very much just expecting a third liner who also gives you a lot of intangibles, hard work, penalty kill stuff, you know, defense, things like that. And any scoring is just gravy. If he happens to score a half point a game for you, cool. 
but it's probably not what a team trading for him expects. And now he's just, now he's basically back to scoring at that rate. I haven't checked what his season long numbers are at, but he's been ten game, he, ten game point streak. Yeah, he's been cooking for a month now. So yeah, mate. So like, you're never. Yeah, he, he's got the 30, worry was, thirty points yeah, in fifty nine games. Yeah, yeah, half so a right at half point a game, basically. Yeah, the worry was that you missed the boat to sell high on him. That that boat's come back around, and I, I think that it's going to be tough to. If you're going to sell him, now's the time, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it just makes sense to do it now if you're going to sell. And I think some team, and you know, just with his overall profile, some team is going to look at him like, oh man, that's the guy we need, it, that guy. And so, I think that you got to be willing to listen. Again, like I, you can get a, I bet you could get a one for him if you if you tried hard enough. So which you should. Yeah, and if, you, if I, you're offered I, a one, I think you take it. I would not, and. The yeah. two, you two things about, you wrote about this, yeah, yeah. I did. Number one, I think you should wait until the off season because there's more flexibility. The Flyers, they have no, you know, no pressure to move him right now because they have him under contract. There's no reason, like, he's not an expiring contract. You don't have to move him or lose him for nothing. They're like, yeah, we can wait on this. We don't, we can wait. The other thing is, if they're looking for an overpay, I'm looking at Tanner Janot's trade last year. That was a. Tw- <laughs> That, that is what it'll take, I think, to get Scott Lawton out of Philadelphia. And you're right. Teams might be willing to pay that. Tanner Janot is a less effective player in a lot of regards. He just likes to fight sometimes. That's about it. But it cost Tampa Bay a 2025 first, a 2024 second, a 2023 third, fourth, and fifth round pick, yeah, one, two, and three, four, Cal five. Foot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, across three, three drafts, and Cal Foot, uh, who was a former first round pick. Like... If a team wants Scott Lawton, that is the baseline of what they're going to have to pay. So a first round pick, and I don't think Tanner Janot even had like much contract left after that trade was done. I think that Tampa had to sign him to a bridge deal or something. Um, but like, yeah, if if it's going to take an overpay to get Scott Lawton out of Philadelphia, that is the baseline. And a first round pick is not going to cut it. Yeah, I remember that that Janot trade happening last year, and like a lot he of players. He had five goals at the time of that trade. Five goals <laughs> yeah, in fifty six games. His, yeah, yeah, his numbers this year aren't good either. But like he, he's he injured, is young. He, yeah, he is younger. Wild. I guess he has a higher ceiling. He is cheaper. So like that's probably what the Lightning were going for. And there there were reports that the Flyers were offered two firsts for Lawton, like around the draft. I don't know if I necessarily believe that, but. Maybe they wanted to keep him to 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 kind of you know spearhead this this culture in the locker room. But Kurt, I think the point you brought up about like if they trade lot and it's showing okay, we believe in in, in this new team. I, I think that's a that's an excellent angle. I haven't really heard that from too many places, if if at all. So I think that's something where it almost makes me more steadfast in my belief that now is the time to trade Scott Lawton. Like I I know I know Joe's thought Joe was with the offseason. but like <laughs> now, like now I think he's he's the with all due respect to Adam Henrique, Scott Lawton is probably the most sought after center on the on the uh, trade trade board there. And like, yeah, they have guys that they can bring up or just you know play more often, like like Lixell, like Brink, to play on the wing, move Cates back to center, and it could really be, I guess, not now or never, but like now or just next trade trade deadline. But you know, you might not have that same leverage next deadline if you're not in the playoff spot and teams know you have to sell. So. I don't know. I, I love love Scott Lawton. I love what he brings, but I don't know. If you can get a first for him, I, I would I would take a one. Just a first? That's it? I think so. You, you, oh, you're, you're convincing me to maybe give up a little more, but like I, it's maybe an irrelevant, not a relevant conversation, but I don't know if it matters because I don't think the Flyers would take just a first for him. I'm fairly confident no. they need more. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would take like like I said, it would take a Tanner Janot level offer for the Flyers to oh. sit down at the table and be like, "All right, we can we can talk about this." A one and something else with significant value. I'm not talking like mm-hmm. a one and a six, you know. Like I'd I'd a have prospect, to see what the like, other yeah. thing is. I'd have to see what the A-level other thing is. If it's like if it's like you know a top a pick that projects for like the top fifty, maybe then we'd talk. If it's another one, yeah, I'd probably pull the trigger for that. If it's yeah, like a top, you know. Two first prospects, yeah, we I'd probably do that, but yeah, it'd have to depend on what the other thing is. 
Yeah. Again, he's, and I, he's under contract for two more years at what is it? Two, two more years at a very three reasonable million. rate. Three yeah. Million, yeah. Yeah. And I probably wouldn't eat money on that either. No, I bother. No, um, no, but yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd need, no. you need a lot. And then, and again, I know the flyers need, would need a lot to deal him. Exactly. Like I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to trading Scott Lawton, but I'm not going to be like, Oh yeah. First round pick. That's, here you go. Like that, that isn't enough for me to consider it. Um, it just needs to be a higher price. And uh, Gilbs, you uh, brought up like next year's deadline when they have to sell. Well, guess what? Lawton still has another year on his contract. They don't have to do it again next year either. They could still hold off if they uh, still have him on the roster. No, yeah, I mean that, that's a good point too. Yeah, but yeah, I, I do wonder what what the Flyers' price is to trade a lot. Of, it might be two first or, or a first Minimum. like a a, a a first round type prospect. I, I could see him going for like a like a first and then a a young defenseman that can that can play right now, so they don't have to call up more than necessarily you know Adderd and uh, Amir Andre, depending on how many defensemen they trade. Like I could see something like that working out, or you know. There's teams that could use Scott Lawton and Sean Walker or and Nick Sealer, and maybe you package them together and get get a uh, get a get a better deal out of that. So I want to do one more thing about Scott Lawton, and that is that we are so laser focused on teams that are trying to contend right now, but there are teams that are ready to take that next step, like Buffalo or Ottawa, or at least you know they have the talent, they have something of a roster that you're like this could be a playoff team. And all they're missing is Scott Lawton, right? Like, so they're not going to make a deadline deal for Scott Lawton because it doesn't really help them in the here and now. But in the offseason, they might be like, we're ready to take that next step. All we're missing is one of these, like, you know, utility character guys, and we'll be able, we're willing to pay for them. So I could see one of those teams that's like on the cusp of playoff contention trying to get a deal done this summer. And they probably have a better, like, reserve of prospects or picks to trade for you know what i mean yeah one give of me, freeman or Merrick mentioned uh, buffalo as a possible as a i don't think that was reporting as much as it was potentially informed speculation but like yeah. i think it was merrick was like in, in the way that he does he's like you know you know who might make sense for scott Lawton, the buffalo sabers jeff and then like <laughs> and then you know, explain basically what you said like you know they're they're a young team they've got some very interesting players they need a guy who, you know, knows his way around an NHL locker room and is going to set an example. And like, I could see that. Yeah. So that's a, a possible, yeah, a possible answer. If you're looking, if he, you look to trade him in the off season, you're right. Yep. And, and because they have, because he has term, the Flyers have the flexibility to wait. And that is so big. Just like we were talking with Drysdale, patience is going to be key. We don't have to pull the trigger on the first thing that comes through the door. You know, the Flyers are like this rebuild's going to take a while we're going to be patient they don't have to sell everything all at once they can wait until someone gets desperate enough to like really just blow their doors off you know yeah the idea of like a buffalo or an ottawa is growing on me because they definitely have a a good cupboard of 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 assets young assets picks and prospects and they do want to take that next step so maybe they would be a team like that type of team that you know would you could maybe get an overpay for it. get a, get a first round pick, get a get a set younger center to replace him, and get like another prospect. I, th- I think that's a piece where a trade where we saw Briere make some some great moves last off season. So I think he could you know finagle his way into a, a pretty good deal if that ends up being the uh, route they go. Yeah, I mean, I have to wonder like maybe the Wild would be an option. I know that sounds silly because they already have a pretty like established veteran core, but there's still cap hit from the Suter and Parise buyouts, and a cheap Scott Lawton contract would be mighty nice for them. I just view the Wild as like an unserious franchise. Like I, I, can't, I, can't, I, can't, I can't envision the Wild lifting the Stanley Cup. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, they had... Well, I wouldn't go that far, but it, it does feel like they had the one year after they bought out Suter and Parise to, to possibly... Um, to possibly contend for something, and they didn't, and now they sort of have to eat the shit sandwich for. I think they're in year two of the, the like the three years of hell. There, uh, so, I feel yeah. like yeah, they're. I think they sort of know that they're up the creek without a paddle on that one until mm-hmm. um until those deals until like the the meat of those deals is off their books and they can actually make moves again. 
But, you know, extending Matt Zuccarello for two more years is really going to solve some problems. Oh, He's like man. a lizard. Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys, come on. Scott Lawton, Scott Lawton for Kirill Kaprizov. Who says no? We are. We already have the next Kaprizov. We have a Mitskov coming over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was the next Kucherov. Why not both? Por- just why not both? Por- yeah. Porque no los dos is right. And just, just hopefully he gives a better effort in, in any skills competitions that, that he's in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. Good times. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. Do, do, we th- do we think they trade Walker? Do we think they end up trading Walker-Sealer as a pair? I- I'm very much here for that idea. But Yes, please. Please give me the full pair. I think pair they trade Walker. That would be amazing. I think they trade Walker. I doubt they deal them both together. That just seems like too much... That seems too fun for an NHL team to do, so that's not going to happen. Yeah. I do think Walker goes, though. Yeah, I could yeah. see Nick Sealer being the type of guy. People always said this, oh, just trade him, and they'll sign back in the offseason. I could see Nick Sealer like, being the type of guy to do that if a team especially wants Walker and Sealer together. Like, mm-hmm. the Flyers go to him like, hey, you know, they want to pair together. You guys got to play well. We're visiting the offseason. We'll match, to a certain extent, any offer you get if you want to come back. Like, But, yeah, I, I think Walker has to go. I'm hoping they can get a first for him, but I could see it end up being like a, a second and a fourth or something like that. Hey, they did it with Justin Braun. They traded him to the Rangers and then brought him back in the summer. <laughs> so it, oh. it, it can't be done. I, I blocked Justin. that from my memory. I just remembered the moment we, we were when we were recording a live pod and le- all collectively learned that Justin Braun had come back at the same time they signed <laughs> Nick Inc- yep. On the day we learned they weren't getting Johnny Gaudreau. All just incredible stuff. Chuck Fletcher was so good at his job, man. Um, so good yeah. Uh, no, I had had that same thought, Ryan. Like, you could maybe bring back Sealer, but I also feel like Nick Sealer's stock has gone up so much in the last incredible thing to say that Nick Sealer's stock has gone up so much in the last like three years that if he hits free agency, some teams can give him a deal that makes us look like you gave Nick Sealer that. And yeah. I, I say it with as much respect to him as possible because, like, he, you know, he came on three years ago and we very much thought it was like a, you know, a Chuck Fletcher, Minnesota pal kind of thing. And, like, it yeah. still sort of is, but he's also proven like he can play. He can play at the NHL level. And I think that's, and I do think that if he hits free agency, some team might give him a deal that makes us go like, oh, okay. I mean, good for him, man. Yo, good for him getting yeah. that deal. Get that um, bag. Get that bag. If he doesn't get that bag, I do agree. Like he does seem like a guy who has enjoyed it here, you know, a place where he sort of put his career back together. He could, he could be willing to come back, but I just think someone wants to give him that bag. Besides, someone's going to have to throw hands when Nick Deloria gets traded this offseason. Oh, boy. His NTC expires, so, you know, could happen. Brad Treleving isn't happy with Ryan Reeves. Maybe he's like, Nick Deloria Deloria and Ryan Reeves on the same line. That'll fix it. That's what what they need. He's the the guy with the flex seal, like, slamming more toughness on the hole in the the tank. Just, Ugh. just the, just the movie slap shot on the fourth line of the Toronto Maple Leafs. That'd be great. Yeah, I guess I could also see Sealer like resigning him for you know probably two. He'd probably get two years, and then you know maybe deal him at next deadline because he'd be a placeholder. I'm not sure who exactly is going to be ready to take that next step next year. I mean, hopefully Andre is, but like you keep Bonk down in the OHL, you don't have anyone really ready to take that next step unless you look into a top defender in the draft so Adder, oh yeah Adder, Adder, but he, he's i think he's gonna stick on the right side yeah i think he's probably penciled in for hopefully when risto gets gets dealt if that ever happens but yeah i could see sealer they, them just penciling him in as, as the third pair defenseman for next and, year and sealer plays both sides which would be great you know he's a steady force he blocks shots so any rookie who comes up and is playing third period minutes it's not like they're throwing him out there with Andrew McDonald and being like, "Go get him, kid." So you know that I would be I would be comfortable with prospects getting their NHL looks on a third pair with Nick Sealer. Like I don't think that would be the worst, you know, the worst arrangement in the world. Yeah, and I guess the one negative if you trade Sealer is you're you're losing you know one of your top four penalty killers there. Like he's played. Behind Sanheim, York, and, and Walker in terms of time on ice, but then it goes way down to, to Risto and Stahl after that. So, mm-hmm. if yeah, I, I think that that Sealer, I'd be fine with with staying, but you have to trade Walker, you have to trade Stahl, even if even if it's just a Gustafson special for a seventh round pick. <laughs> 
Hey, he's he was killing it with the Rangers when Adam Fox was out. Mm -hmm. He saved their power play. I want a congressional investigation into Eric Gustafson's season <laughs> with the Flyers. He yeah. was one of the worst defensemen I have watched this team ice in the last like decade, and that's yeah. saying a lot, man. Like, it, yeah. he's lucky Keith Yandel came in after him and was even worse. Oh God! I think those two legitimately, and we watched all Andrew McDonald's contract. I think those two legitimately might have had the two worst like defensive season, player seasons of any blue liner for the Flyers since like the in like the Claude Giroux and after era. Like God. it's it's real bad. Um, I am so and, glad. And then I he went to the Capitals and was good. Now he's with the Rangers and is good. Um, yeah, I don't like him. I am so <laughs> glad I started watching this team when I did because yeah, I got to see Gustafson and Yandel. Good yeah, I mean, the, the thing about Gustafson is he came in the offseason after the Flyers made the playoffs and won that round, and there was actually hope, and I was like, okay, this this is a guy maybe turn around his career here. It just ended up being where he he left here and ended up turning turning his career around. Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, oh well. Uh, is he from Sweden? Where is he from? I have to think. That Eric Gustafson is Sweden. I think that, uh, as opposed to the he other is. Eric Gustafson, who I'm pretty sure was also from Sweden. You um, guys know who else is from Sweden? You know who else is from Sweden? Who are you going with? Oh, Elias oh, Pettersson, oh. baby. <laughs> oh, Elias Pettersson. I was trying to think of the most obscure Swedish person I can name. Oh. And <laughs> I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank here. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I'm the one who put this on the docket because... Uh, there were rumors like teams are starting to call about Elias Pettersson because he still hasn't signed with the Canucks. And Vancouver has been like, we're trying to sign him, which, duh, of course you try and sign him. He's been phenomenal. Um, but if he doesn't, how hard should the Flyers work to get him? And what kind of package are you guys willing to assemble to give up to get him into Philadelphia? And do you think it's worth it? Literally I've... anything other than Mitchkoff. Like, like, there's a line yeah. you have to draw somewhere in terms of pure accumulation, but nothing else would be off the table. <laughs> I, I would, I would maybe add Bonk, and I would maybe add Joel Farabee as off the table, but pretty much anyone else. I'd say Travis Konechny, Morgan Frost, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Florida's first round pick this year, minimum. And maybe throw uh, in Bobby yeah. Brink too. Bonk and, Bonk oh, and Bobby Brink. Brink. Like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't let either of them get in the way of getting a guy who's a top ten player in the NHL who's in his prime. I, I don't think I can do it. Like fair. Um, yeah. I, I also don't, don't if... think that if if you're if you're the Vancouver Canucks and you have Elias Pettersson and you're in the situation where like you're you're holding up you know you know you're holding up the um the the you know the strong face in front of the the your actual face that has the tears on it. You're saying like, no, we've got, you know, we're in a strong position. We're not going to trade him unless we have to. I think you're saying like, you're not, you're not getting away. You're not making this deal without giving us Matt Mitchkoff. And I don't think the Flyers would do that. And, no. and that's probably the end of the conversation, right? Like it'd be, it's, it's a fascinating hypothetical. Like, would you do that? I don't like over the weekend, we talked about it a little on Slack and I was like, yeah, I'd probably do that. I don't know now. Like it, it's, Part of the appeal is you'd have them both, and yes. I don't think that yeah neither one by themselves is pushing the Flyers over the top because they no. need, they need high end talent period and dealing one to getting Elias like don't get me wrong like if Matvey Mitchkov has a career that basically stacks up to what Elias Pettersson's done that's a damn good career like you should be pretty happy yeah. with that I think yeah but like the point isn't getting one or the other because like the Flyers even with Ma if Mitch Mitchkov becomes what we think he can or is better. Like, that's awesome. You still need more guys. And just trading yeah. one guy for the other, even if it does give you a little more certainty, doesn't solve that problem. Yeah, and I have to wonder, would the Canucks... I know Mishkov's very highly rated and everything. Would they even want him? Because they are competitive right now. Are they willing to wait two years for Matvey Mishkov to come over from Russia? And yeah, I don't know. A, and they got a big old salary cap boulder coming down the hill, too, I'm pretty sure, as they have for, yep. like, a decade. Mm -hmm. They are... They... I think they only have two defensemen signed next year. One of them is Quinn Hughes, and the other one is Philip Hronick for one more season. Oh, no. Hronick's, Hronick's, Hronick's an RFA at the end of this year, too. Oh, yeah, boy. so the only oh, defenseman... Boy. Yeah, Dude, the Benning only defenseman... very bad at his job. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> the only defenseman that's signed is Quinn Hughes. Um, but 
The reason I throw Risto in this trade package, Tyler Myers and Nikita Zadorov are both huge. And like Risto could be one of those guys, you know, for the Canucks. Um, but they have a lot of contracts expiring on defense. Uh, so they, I don't know, man. If, if, if Pedersen says I'm not signing, I think the Flyers should be moving. Yeah, pretty much everything. I would trade TK as much as I love him. I think he'd be the centerpiece of that package. I'd be pretty surprised if he asks out, if he like straight up says like, I'm not signing. I think that there's like just a dollar value. He wants that the Canucks, because the Canucks did this a few years ago when they had to sign Elias Pettersson, right? Like they were basically like, yeah, we Mm. don't have any money. Please like work with us here. And I think he would, I don't know this for sure. And I might be making this up, but I think he was kind of miffed by that. And I think now he's saying like, all right, I signed this bridge deal. So you guys can compete. And like, you know, we're competing right now. This is great, but you owe me like I'm not like I'm not giving you a discount here guys it's the Nylander and I think like I think they're gonna find a way to make it work if it if it leads to a bit of a stars and scrubs lineup there in Vancouver they'll do it but you know you they can't let him leave but boy like like I said anything other than Mitch Kopp is probably on the table yeah I I just wonder if the Flyers would do that this offseason they've been so upfront transparent steadfast and they're okay we're rebuilding like, would they do that? Okay, we we were competitive one year. Now we're going to try to take this next step. Like, because if they trade for Patterson, playoffs is the goal next year. It's not okay. Develop for for twenty twenty six. It's like okay, we can be competitive now. I don't know if they'd be willing to do that, given I, their, their long term plan. And I mean, obviously, if if it if it's a possibility and it, and it comes comes across their desk, you have to kind of entertain it. But I don't know if that that'll be something that they go out and, and try to do, see, especially when you have to give up so much. But Pedersen is 25. Like, he's in his prime now. In two years, when Mishkov comes over, he'll be 27. If you sign him to an eight-year deal through his early 30s, like, that is your window. Like, he 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 might be, like, a year or two too old to perfectly fit the timeline, but he's right there. Um, And they did just pick up Elias Lindholm from Calgary. I wonder if Pedersen... I wonder if part of that is, like, Oh, we're having this like stalemate with Pedersen, and if he refuses to sign, at least we can maybe get Lindholm. Um, but no, I, I, I think many. if you, yeah, they're both too many Eliases. You can't have that many on one team. You can only have one. Um, but I, I don't think I would be upset with the front office if they went after Elias Pedersen, because that is a player that helps now and in the future. Uh, it depends on what you have to give up. Obviously, I'm with Kurt. Mishkov is off the table. But if you're doing like a package with Travis Konechny, uh Rasmus Ristolainen, Morgan would, Frost. Would you, would you do yeah. that deal you said, Konechny, Frost, and Drysdale instead of Risto? Ooh, Drysdale. Um, maybe. you got to be really confident in Oliver Bonk to make that deal, I think. You, you'd have yeah. to, yeah. You'd have he, he to be basically, pretty he basically have to think he's NHL ready right now to make that deal. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I think that that's probably what it would take. Like, probably, probably take like two top six players and like two good future future assets. So, yeah, I mean, I, I I would love the Flyers to do that. I just don't know if, given their plans and given how you know how optics have looked and, and they want to like do a do a full fledged rebuild. I don't know if they would make such a big swing so soon. But that is that is a I would say twenty five is still relatively young, right? Mm-hmm. That is a that is a move to acquire young elite talent, and they have constantly said we lack elite talent, and they're not going to be drafting in the top five or maybe even the top ten to get it. If you have a chance to go after a twenty five year old like top ten forward in the league who is a center, I think you I think you try and make that happen. Yeah, I hope so. You, you certainly at least look into what it costs and then go from there. Or just offer sheet them. <laughs> Easy. Do you have all, they have all their picks? I think they can make that trade. And, the Flyers? I think, they can, I think they can do that, yeah, because they haven't traded yes, the picks. They, I mean. they yeah. can, and it makes the uh, trade deadline asking for first even more important because you can't trade other teams' picks. You can only trade your own first-rounders. Well, so, you can only use your own first-rounders to sign offer sheets. 
Correct. That's that's yeah. what I meant. You, know, you can trade me. other first round picks. But yes, yeah. yes. I meant for an offer sheet, you can only use your own first round picks. So if the Flyers pick up a 2025 first for Sean Walker, and then maybe a 2026 first for Scott Lawton or whatever, and then pick up a 2027 first from some other trade, hey, they still have first round picks in all of the next drafts, even if they gave up four to offer sheet Elias Lind- uh not Lindholm, Pedersen. <laughs> <laughs> The Too many Eliases, I'm telling the you. The other one. The other one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that'll be fun. I, I think Danny Briere and Keith Jones can put their heads together and, and try to do something creative, like, you know, like they have done mm-hmm. in the past with the with the Gauthier situation, with the three-way pro-for-off trade that, that looks better and better by the day. Hopefully they mm-hmm. do end up training Walker to kind of expand. It, it, it that, looked better uh, before we had to watch Cal Peterson play on Sunday, but even so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is, that is, oof, that is true. Yeah. Yeah, but Kurt, I know you got you got to get out of here soon. Anything else uh, top of mind um, you, you want to touch on? I, I just mentioned that there was something I wanted to bring up earlier. Did y'all have a problem with Tortorella starting the goalies in the order he did this weekend? Ooh, mm. I know so, there was discussion about that. I'm not sure if it was in Slack or on Twitter or probably yeah, both. So it's a hive I, mind. I, the way I look at it is, so I think that like logically, it makes more sense to play your better goalie against Pittsburgh because on paper, worst team. Oh, when you need more, like if you had won that game in regulation, you come pretty close to burying Pittsburgh and yeah. they're a team you're fighting with for like directly fighting with for a playoff spot in the way you are and with the Rangers. I just wonder if Tortorella looked at this weekend and said, Hey, we've got a home game on Sun on Saturday against a team that, you know, we've we've played well that we think we can hang with. We're gonna be rested for it. And then we have to go around we have to turn around, go on the road the next day against another team that like, you know, always plays us well and needs this game, has a rest advantage on us in their barn. I wonder if he just said, I'm going to push all the chips in to win this game on Saturday, and it backfired because, you know, if you switch the goalies and you get those performances you got from each guy, you know, you probably lose 5-1 to one on Saturday, but then win, I don't know, I would. I don't want to say like 6-3, to three, but you probably win that game if you get Samuel Larson playing at a normal level on Sunday, right? And... I just wonder if he pushed the chips in to win that game on Saturday. I can't prove this. I don't think he said anything to this extent, but it feels like Saturday, Sunday was the game you would rather have had. Like if you'd come up to, if you, you know, ask the Flyers fan before the weekend, which game would you rather win Saturday against the mm-hmm. Rangers, or Sunday against the Penguins, you're saying Sunday 10 times out of 10, yeah. but I don't know. I, I don't know if Tortorella just looked at it and said, we really need a win. I think we've got a better chance to get one at home. Cause I know the Flyers like betting wise, we're, closer to even against the like they were smaller underdogs against the rangers and they were against the penguins like i just wonder if they thought they had a better chance to win that game and they said we're playing the better goalie as such and it just didn't work out but what do you think i know we're saying it with benefit of hindsight what do you how do you think sure. you handled that so i i honestly think maybe the reason he started arison on saturday is that they kind of know cal peterson isn't very good um and I wonder if starting Peterson against the Rangers on Saturday would have been a message like, yeah, we're not winning this game. Like this, this ain't it fam. Like just, you know, get like play your best and then get ready to come out against Pittsburgh tomorrow. Um, but I, it's tough. I, they still scored six goals in the Pittsburgh game. So like, you know, they were still <laughs> in it, even though they Cal- gave up seven. <laughs> Yeah, in spite in spite of Cal Peterson's poor performance, the Flyers did not give up. They just kept coming back. And I, in my short Flyers fandom, have not seen a team, a Flyers team, play like that. Um, oh, just one more save, man. Any of the three just, short side goals he let in, man. Any of them. They were so, so bad. So I, bad. I, think, I think the one thing, I don't know if, it goes into the, the decision, but like looking at it as a fan, you can't get embarrassed by the Rangers at home again. Like, like you heard the crowd when the Rangers scored that, that first goal, it, it went, it was as loud as the Flyers crowd. And like, That's, you can't, you can't lose the momentum of that, that one in Chicago and have another what nine, nothing loss to the Rangers with, with Peterson and net. And like, if, if the Rangers do put up five in, in the first period, like, do you, you, you're putting Peterson out there for the whole game because you're saving Arson for the next day. So I don't know if that would actually factor into an NHL team's uh, decision-making with goalies, but I think that that could have played a part, especially after like there was a big thing made about that, about the Rangers fans taking over the FARG back on Black Friday. So I, I could see that 
being something in there. I had it back with the rivalry aspect, the rivalry aspect in to like mm-hmm. hosting the Rangers. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Charlie, there were a lot Charlie of Rangers wrote a good piece there. about that um, on yeah. Saturday about how you know it would be cool if this rivalry really reignited just because these teams haven't been good at the same time for a while. Um, the other question: Would you have given thought to putting Urson in at like the second intermission yesterday? That's a tough spot for him coming in cold against a team that's playing well. But again, in hindsight, feels easy to say. I just wonder if that would have been worth their while. And then I thought so. Yeah. Like uh, with the avalanche game, right? Carter Hart was real bad to begin that. And then I think in either the first or second intermission, they pulled Hart and put Arison in. And Torts afterwards was like, I thought we still had a chance. So I put Arison in. Yeah, I wonder because they did play the Lightning Tuesday nights. That would be, you know, three games and four nights for Urson. But yeah, I mean, we talked about it last week with Maddie. We we're like, could you possibly just put Urson start both games? I know, like, you don't want to do that to a young goalie, but you know, if the Flyers were in a situation where they're actually pushing for the playoffs, I think that could have been a possibility. But yeah, in hindsight, they definitely should have. It was a tie game. They outplayed the Penguins, but. Also, what Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's radio guys on the apparently were roasting them after the game, saying like, uh, "Why wouldn't you just play Urson both games this weekend and play Peterson against some crappy team?" Because they're being careful. They yeah, like they yeah, said they early are. on, Briere if and gets, uh, if something happens to Samuel Urson, you're in real trouble. You're fucked. You're just in real straight trouble. up. You're fucked. Um, no, and they've said like we believe he has number one upside, but we're going to be careful with him. And I'm like, this is being care. This is ju- this is the cost of being careful. So, you know, so be it. Yeah, no, again, Ed, as we said, you got to keep your eye on the ball and rebuild. And if that means you lose a, a couple of tough games, yeah, it sucks, but it happens. But hey, they made they made the comeback twice. That's that's still huge. I hope they don't lose that. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I'd call it momentum, but like, hey, we got down and we came right back. If we get down against Tampa we can come back and win this or we can get involved, you know? And they, yeah, they did the, they did the last time they played Tampa. They, they looked like the better team for long stretches. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Nikita Kucherov is just <laughs> on another level. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Merrick wrote, I think yesterday that like the flyers after that game against Vegas back in October, like that, that proved that they could stay with anyone, even though they lost that one. So I think, you know, they have a lot of that, in there from after this weekend and also you don't want to wear down arson right now because like mm. what if he does pull something and you're stuck with peterson and sandstrom as for the tandem? playoffs for yeah, the playoffs yeah. and, and like and then you also lose some of the leverage at the deadline like oh you're not making a playoff push with cal peterson like like i'll give me scott lawton or give me we're gonna give you less for walker then and also one more thing the flyers don't have an easy road ahead uh jordan no. hall tweeted this earlier Flyers' next 14 games feature 10 against teams currently holding a playoff spot, two against Boston, two against Florida, two against Toronto, two against Tampa, the Rangers again, and Carolina again. So, like, Jesus. Peterson Peterson, and and uh, Urson are both going to get some time. The Flyers are definitely going to uh, have a tough road, with uh, especially without Konechny being banged up, Drysdale potentially out. No, so, yeah, it's going to be a, a rough go here. Yep. Yep, I knew they've it was got tough. to get. That's bad. Oh my god, it's bad. Yeah, they've got to get a couple wins against uh, Ottawa and the Capitals. Yeah, yeah, and that's a back to back. That's a tough spot for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you've proven you can win a game with Cal Peterson playing literally as bad as a goaltender can play in the NHL. So, if he yeah. Get, yeah. takes plays one of these, we'll see. Give, give Ovi his one power play goal; it'll happen. It's fine, and then just keep it together the rest of the game. Yep, uh, Ovi's hot. Ovi's hot right now. He is that Ovi. He's so hot right now. <laughs> yeah, Cal Peterson had us fooled into thinking he was a, a decent goalie with that win over Seattle. But looking back on it, the Kraken had had 19 shots. Just a just a classic, uh, classic Dave Hextall masterclass right there. He also beat the Kings. He also beat the Kings earlier this. Got the season. revenge win. He did. Yeah, he did. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah, just you know, shore up that short short side, let in two fewer goals, and, and you win six five. Yeah, Dom loose yeah. get a point. The Athletic has the, their schedule the rest of the way projected as the thirteenth hardest, or thirteenth hardest in terms of average opponent quality 
You know, if they have but one more home game than road game. So yeah. where 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 are the Devils, the Caps, and the Penguins in that? All ahead as of well? the Flyers. All have harder schedules than the Flyers down the stretch. Exactly. Pen- so Caps are fourth. The, Pens are sixth. Devils are eighth. So so the Flyers are in a tough spot. They've got a tough schedule, but the teams that are chasing them, they're in a tougher spot schedule wise. So mm-hmm. there's they can they can man, they can stomach a couple of losses like this and still hold their positioning going forward. Um, you just can't let it turn into a streak. That's basically, yep. I think that's right. That's basically it. Win the games mm-hmm. you have to win, fight like hell in the ones that you're the underdog and you might eke out a point or two and go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's well said. Definitely. Cool. Um, all right. Anything else you guys want to touch on here before we close this out? I think we're good. Score predictions for uh, Tampa. Oh yes, Tampa. Um, gonna go four three in a shootout. Get a win. Ooh, okay. I'll say a Hurt? five four overtime loss. Five four overtime loss. Get one back in the. Get a point back in the column. Uh, oh boy. Jeez, are we gonna get good Vasilevsky or bad Vasilevsky tomorrow? That's really the, he's he's That's been all over the place this season. Um. I'm going to go with medium Vasilevsky, 4-3 regulation. Sam Erson stones Kucherov in the closing minute with the goalie pulled from Tampa. I love that. Let's go. I love that, yeah. Yeah, I I know I mentioned him once, but I I do want to shout out uh, Tyson Forster. Coming back strong. Fuck yeah. Goal in both games, I think. So yeah, he's he's looking amazing. He's he's not on pace. He's not on pace yet for 20. Actually, he might be on pace for 20 now. He can, I mean, after having horrible luck in in the first half, he could end up scoring 20 goals. He looks so goddamn good. I hope that that injury yesterday wasn't serious. It was just a stinger. Um, Haven't seen any updates. Pretty sure. Yeah, he came back from that. Well, I guess, yeah, sometimes you wake up the next day and your knee hurts more. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, like Matthew Kachuk broke his shoulder in the playoffs, played a game, and then was like, I can't get up. And then Nate Bastion, I think, in a Devils, he, it was Rempy, I think. Rempy, like, oh, yeah, absolutely that was, buried that him. That was bad. He yeah, should not yeah, have come yeah. back into that game. That was bad. No. So, you know, hockey players, they're built different and maybe built a little stupid. They're not like so, us. Yet. <laughs> For real. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Um, all right. Make sure you are subscribed to the Brawl Street Hockey Podcast. Uh, leave us a five-star rating and review. Make sure you also uh, read BrawlStreetHockey.com and subscribe there if you're not already. Uh, it was a good time over there. Some good articles up there. Yeah. Um, Big content Kurt. day. Yeah. Kurt, thanks for joining us. Where can people find thank you? you guys. Yep, thank you guys for having me. I'm on Twitter at Kurt underscore BSH. All right. And uh, Joe, where can the, the pe- good people find you? I am also on Twitter at JFDMarini. DeMarini. And uh, where can they find you, my man? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at rgilbertsop. All right, guys. Until next time. See ya. Go Flyers.